Glad to have each one of you. Uh, it's a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We uh, appreciate God's grace and His mercy and His presence. Everything He does for us. And this thing's been acting up. We'll try it and see how it works. It's definitely on. So I think the batteries might be low when this. It's red. Does that mean it's low? Okay, it's red. All right, um, let me say this, a couple of things before I forget it real quickly. I'm no prophet. I don't claim to know very much. Um, and uh, this is just my opinion. It's not anything more. Uh, but uh, I know a lot of people's looking at Israel right now wondering what all is going on there and what all it means and everything. And just the fact the world's looking at Israel is prophecy. That I do know. But uh, if you've watched any of this, which I haven't a whole lot, I've watched it some, I don't watch the news, uh, local news, world news, I read a little bit on the internet, I follow a Christian news app, and that's primarily what I get. Um, I read Channel 3 News at 8, 13 on my phone, on the, just the app, that's all. But anyway, I saw where Israel was planning on taking dozers in and dozing up everything in Gaza. I mean, they're leaving nothing. And they're following right behind those uh, dozers with tanks and APVs, other armored-type vehicles and ground troops. They're basically going to eliminate any chance of anybody living there but them is pretty much what they've said. Now, here's the catch. I don't know if you all know this or not, but the Palestinians have a seat in the UN Council. The UN's not going to allow this. They're going to say they are sovereign people with a sovereign country. And they, so that we see a little problem here. Um, I'm not saying this is the opportunity that the Antichrist is going to use to make the peace treaty, but what I am saying is you can definitely see the table being set uh, for that to take place. Uh, they do not. And Israel does not have a seat at the UN Council. If you don't know this, uh, most of the world, including the UN, hates Israel. They do not like them. And if you remember, and I'll get to the message just now, um, when, um, when Christ was crucified, they said, let his blood be on us and on our children. And it has been for 2,000 years. Uh, they did not understand what they were saying when they said that. Uh, they did not fully grasp, and uh, how could they? Just as sometimes we don't some of the things we do and say, uh, turn with your Bibles. Does anybody know? Romans. Romans. What chapter? I'm glad somebody's paying attention. Uh, <laughs> the last three or four weeks we've been Romans chapter 8. We'll continue there today. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I'm only going to read three verses. I'm kind of breaking a little bit in the middle of the paragraph here. Some commentaries, some Bibles break these three verses together. Uh, I'm not convinced that they do, but uh, it is uh, the subject, these three verses that God has placed on my heart. I do think they can break these, these three verses, but anyway, uh, Paul has not really changed the subject. He's just covering more area. And 
with his help this morning, I want to hope we get some good and benefit from this and see some things that God has showed me. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Is everybody there? The Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And here's one of the most well-known verses in the Bible for Christians. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. God, I can never thank you enough, Lord, for giving us, uh, Jesus, your autobiography. For it's everything we know about you, and it's everything we know about us. God, there's so much in your word. God, we'll never exhaust it. We'll never get to the bottom of it. We'll never run out of things to study in your word because it's alive, just as you are. This morning, Lord, we love you because you first loved us. Forgive me, God, for anything that will hinder this message. Holy Spirit, that will prevent you from speaking freely through me, I pray that you forgive me and you wash me clean. And Lord, I pray that I can empty you empty myself. I give myself to you wholly for the best way I can and know how. And God, I pray that you speak through me. And Lord, use me as you see fit, God, however you want this message to go. And God, I thank you and I praise you. Touch the hearts of each one that are here and each one that may be watching. Lord, we'll give you the praise and the thanks and the glory for it all. And Jesus, it's in your holy, sweet, and precious name I pray. Amen. Now, as I say this real quick as I get started, I've told you this before. Uh, I have relatives, mom's oldest brother and all of his family lives in the very northwestern part of Indiana, just out of Chicago. And one of my cousins told me one time she tried to watch me on her live stream, but she couldn't understand me because of my hick accent. And I don't enunciate very good sometimes. So my uncle... And his daughter, my first cousin, surprised us and came in this past week. I got to spend a couple evenings with them, thankfully for that. They were going to come to church here to surprise me Sunday morning, and he's 85. So after the trip in, he just wasn't able. But it was still a wonderful blessing just to hear them say that. So if they're watching this morning, I'm going to do my best to enunciate and not get too carried away and get too fast or too loud. But you pray for me that I'm able to do that because... I'm a hick, and hicks don't enunciate. We don't pronounce English words like they're supposed to be. We've got our own language. So, here we go. Now, if you remember last week, as we finished up our message, the verse that stopped right before we, uh, right before we read our verses this morning, verse 25 says, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? And he, Paul talked about our hope through inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we have a hope that is beyond anything this world has, anything they can offer, anything you've got. And we, uh, we have a hope for a future uh, with God living in perfection forever. And honestly, that should motivate us to do a little bit more for him sometime. The hope we have should drive us and desire us to get more of God and to get more of that hope and it become more alive to us. I thought as John was letting uh, the scriptures, as it was been read over his phone before he uh, decided to sing that song, was very fitting. He had no clue what I was going to preach. Uh, but 
we should want more of God and to be more like him because of this. Uh, it should want us to please him because he has given us this hope. Do you realize this morning this world has no real hope? The most they are holding on to, the hope they have is their job that I'll be honest with you is extremely uh, not very dependent anymore. I'm going to take your minds back. Some of you are too young to remember this possibly, but uh, years ago there was a company called Enron. It was one of the largest corporations, companies in our country. They were massive. They owned so many other companies. I mean, it was unreal how many companies they owned. Uh, thousands of people had worked and retired under that umbrella of Enron. And suddenly Enron knew this was coming and they filed bankruptcy. They went under and all the companies under them went under and hundreds of people, thousands of people lost their retirement overnight. I'm talking 70-year-old people, 75-year-old people that suddenly had to get a job because their income was no longer available. I'm talking people who worked in this company who had a job that they felt was secure for life because it was such a large corporation that they knew they were secure in that. Suddenly, they were unemployed. Right. Now, some of you don't remember that. A lot of you do. And the point I'm making is, is at any given time, the job and this, the lifestyle that you think here is so secure and everything is going so well and you've got nothing to worry about, in a moment's notice, it can be gone. It can disappear. And we must realize where our hope and our help comes from. Now, as we look at these next three verses, I also want us to realize uh, the hope and the help we have from Holy Spirit. Uh, he leads us in all things, notice what I'm getting ready to say, that we allow him to. And that we ask his help for. There's times we ask God to lead us and guide us and show us his will as long as it fits inside our will. And if it doesn't, then we're not interested. We say we are with lip service to God, but our heart says different, our actions, your lifestyle. That tells God and everybody around you where your heart really is. I don't have to ask what your walk with God is. You show me. And God doesn't need to ask. He sees your hearts and mine. He knows where I'm real and true. He knows where I'm fake. I might fake out some of you, but I'm not faking out him. Same as all of us. We're together, huh? Now, let me make a couple more points and I'll get through this message try to get you out here as quick as I can. One thing that I've told you all since I've been here is God is a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. He does not do that. Uh, he is an everlasting and never changing help that we can always count on. Holy Spirit is always there. In Sunday school class, real briefly, we talked this morning about how there are three and one. And I said, sometimes we think Jesus is beneath God because he humbled himself and lowered himself to human standards while here on earth and obeyed God as a man, not as God. He never quit being God. And Holy Spirit, sometimes I think we feel like that somehow he is just so far He's like beneath God or something or he's not really part of the Godhead. He is as much of God as God is himself. Yeah. Understand, it's God's spirit that he placed inside of us. It's his spirit that lives in us and moves within us and lives and breathes in us and gave us life the moment you were born again. Yeah. You know, a pretty good test to know if you're saved or not. 
When you sin or do something wrong and nobody knows but you and God, and you feel pretty bad for it. If you have no conviction over things that you've done and nobody knows, even sometimes just in your mind, there's a pretty good chance you're not one of his. You know, sometimes, too, let me throw this out there just for good measure. We can get comfortable in some sins where we fight it off to where it don't bother us like it should. But there's still something inside of you saying, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right. And so this morning, what I want to try to preach with God's help, I hope my introduction made sense and laid a good roadmap here for us, is that all the things Holy Spirit is, one, we can count on him. We know that without a doubt always. He sealed us. He saved us. He gave us life. He done so much for us. Shouldn't we occasionally say thank you, Holy Spirit? That would be the title of this morning's message. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done. Verse 26. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. I believe here Paul is pointing out the infirmity was in our inability to pray. Now certainly it doesn't do the scripture injustice to say all of our weaknesses, all of our feebleness. But I believe here the interpretation is our prayer. Let me read on and I'll explain to you further. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So number one, he intercedes for us in our prayer. You realize you and I are weak spiritually. When we pray sometimes we are so easily distracted. Me and everybody else. I'll kneel down to pray. Sometimes I'll turn gospel music on and don't laugh at me every now and then, even classical. To try to to try to, to keep all uh, hindrances out. And I'm sitting there praying within 30 seconds. I'm thinking about uh, a deer I saw going up the hillside or a ball game or something at work or, or a conversation I had. I say, help me get back to focus here, Lord. And I'll pray out loud, trying to help my focus stay strong. And I'll do good for a couple minutes. Next thing you know, I'm eating supper. We all struggle with that. Everyone does. And our emotions and our thoughts get in the way. So there's times, almost all the time, Holy Spirit takes over and prays for you and I. He intercedes. He takes the prayers we're trying to pray to the Father. Thank God for him that he does that. Now this is assuming that you and I are praying. Because if you're not praying, then I'll be honest with you, this verse really don't apply much to you. If you don't spend some time in prayer, it still does, but not like it would if you pray. How often do you pray? Don't raise your hands, but I wonder sometimes if we took a survey, how much time do you spend in prayer a day? I'd pray, dear God, most of you spend at least 10 minutes because that's not much out of a 24-hour period. Even if you are thinking about everything else under the sun during the 10 minutes, make a fragile attempt most of the time our prayers are selfish and misguided. So he must step in. I'll tell you something else we struggle with in prayer. 
that you and I, we want the storm to stop. We want the things to change. We want everything fixed. The Bible does not teach that. Holy Spirit nowhere promises that. He said he would not stop the storm. He's not going to just stop the hurt, the questions, the doubts, the fears, and so on and so on. But what he did promise you and I is he would go through it with us alongside of us and guide us and direct us. So here's the thing. In our prayers, when we're praying, and we're saying, God, I need your help. I need your touch. Holy Spirit is there saying, I hear you. I live in you. I feel you. I know exactly what you feel. I know exactly what you think. And I'm taking it to the Father to bring you back the answer that you need. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for saying what I can't say. He makes groanings that I can't even mutter sometimes. Have you ever been in a place, I'm sure most of you have, where you kneel down to pray and you need an answer from God, you need something, and I've I've done this a lot, I say, Lord, I don't even know how to pray for this. I don't even know what to pray. But God, here's what I, in my mind, in my heart, here's what I think I need and want, but you know better than I do. So he helps us to pray. Let me say this real quickly. I'm trying to move fast but cover my points here and still talk and enunciate and and say words completely. That's hard on me. But um, there's times that I've gotten alone with God and times I've prayed with other people and suddenly all of a sudden all the distractions melt away. All of them fade and it's just you and God and you're praying in the power of Holy Spirit and man, there's nothing like it and you just feel like you're there with God and he's with you and you feel his presence, you sense his presence and you know he's with you, you know he's hearing you. Oh, thank God for the glorious day. My Savior saved me and gave me a new life and put himself inside of me and gave me hope beyond this world and said I'm going to help you through everything you go through sometimes I don't have the answers people come to me and say pastor what about this or preacher what about that and I've had to look at people more than once and say I don't know I can't answer you I'm not God (laughs) I, I don't know somewhere in the Bible there'll be an answer for your question but you must turn to prayer and the Bible. Let me move on before I get into my next point all over before I get there. Let me say this one more thing. He says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. That doesn't mean you should not pray. Don't use that excuse, say, oh God, I don't know how to pray anyway, so why pray? That's not what the Bible's teaching. The exact opposite. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you know he says things to God that you and I can't even say? Verse 27, He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now number one, he intercedes for us in our prayer. And I I know I could have put a lot of things there, but I just felt real simply in our prayer, he intercedes for us. Number two, he intercedes for us in the will of God for us. He often tries to lead us and guide us into the way of the will of God individually in our lives, but we often get in the way. He'll let us know what God wants. He'll tell us what God desires for our life, but we're not spiritual enough to hear him sometimes. You know, it's amazing to me. We know the Bible says some things about the will of God for us. We know 
It says, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We know other places, it'll tell us something. He'll say, for this is the will of God. So we know those are easy, those are simple, but the hard ones is what God wants for me as an individual. What are you telling me to do with this situation? What are you leading me and guiding me to do? I hope you all pray and asking God to use you in this church and guide you in some way to be a benefit to the church and to Him. Now here is where we start going south sometimes. When I counsel married couples, one of the first things, last things, and middle things that I say to them, and I said it in that order, one of the things that I point out to them from beginning to end is if you don't communicate, you better learn how because the next thing you're going to be communicating with is a judge and two lawyers. You better learn to communicate. Talk to each other. Uh, screaming and yelling and arguing and fighting is not communicating. That's all those things I just said. And you must learn. Uh, there's love languages. There's a book written on it. There's videos about it. And it's accurate and true. And also, you all have heard me say this, men are brain damaged. And all the women say... You can go and say it even though you're just dating and still in love. Because at birth, in the womb, the, 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 our brains was zapped when the chromosomes lined up and said, we're going to be a boy, and we don't have as much connective tissue going back and forth across our brains as women do. You have more connective tissue, so you are in touch with more side, both sides of your brain more than men. That's a simple medical scientific fact. And I'm not going to get into all that other nonsense. Anyway, because of that, we communicate different. A man can say, Jason can say something to you and you hear something completely opposite. You can say something to him and he hears it completely opposite of how it's meant. Part of it's because Satan's the prince of power of the air, but a lot of it is because we communicate different. Amber can say something to me and I've had to back up and say, honey, I don't know what you meant, but this is what I heard. And it's not what she meant. Same difference. Now what's all got this to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm glad you're thinking that and asking that question. I'm going to tell you. You see, our communication is not perfect. It's broken. It's flawed. And we have to really strive for simple communication sometimes. My son been a teenager sometimes. I don't always understand him. He doesn't always understand me. We're in two different worlds. Even though he's part of me, he's got my genes, he's got my blood pumping through his veins, I still have trouble sometimes communicating with him. But praise God, Jesus has no trouble communicating with Holy Spirit. Their communication is absolutely perfect. He knows just exactly what God wants for you and I. He knows perfectly well what is best for us. And let me tell you something, his communication with you is perfect also. The question is, do we listen to him? Do we listen? You've got to understand, 
He lives inside of you. He knows exactly what you need, what is beneficial to you, what is not beneficial to you, the friends you should have, the friends you shouldn't have, the conversations you should have, the conversations you shouldn't have, the decisions you make, the decisions you shouldn't make, down to the very minute details of your life. He's involved and wants to be involved and he wants to be part of that and make those decisions for you because he knows perfectly well exactly what God has planned for you and the more you fight against him, the more your life will be turned upside down and inside out and you're going against God, a loving, holy God who wants the best for you and only the best. And we fight against that very presence inside of us. So he intercedes for us in prayer. We don't know how we should pray. We don't know sometimes the exact words to say. So he'll even help you pray if you'll let him. He'll help you know what to pray. He'll help you know what to say if you'll invite him and talk to him and every now and then listen to him and read your Bibles. God forbid we don't have prayer warriors and Bible readers anymore. And he said he searches the hearts He searches your heart constantly. He knows what's going on inside of you and around you. What is the mind of the spirit? This is talking about God because he maketh the intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He goes to the Father and says, Father, here's what they've said they need, but I live in them. I know exactly what he or she needs, and I'm here to tell you this is what they need. And God says, I see that. This is what I need for them. This is what I desire for them. And he brings the answer back, but the question is, do we listen. Do we listen? Most of us live in a selfish, self-centered world. We want our will. Satan has made us scared to death of the will of God. Afraid that we're going to be asked to do something that's going to embarrass us. Well, don't you think he has a right to embarrass you? He sure does. Don't you think he has a right to ask what he wants of you? He didn't buy a new Ford. He bought a Chevrolet. He bought something that's going to last and work good. (laughs) Praise God, that's what he wants. Right, Mikey? He bought us with the price, folks, the most precious price that you could ever spend for anything and anyone, the blood of his son. He has a right to ask and demand of you and I what he wishes and wants. And what you and I don't realize or fight against is his will is best for your life. That's where you'll be most happy. Most joyous. The difference in happiness and joy is happy is when you go buy a new vehicle. It ain't happy when it's got 150,000 miles and it starts breaking down. Joy comes along when the world breaks down, but deep inside of you, there's something that's still there. No, you may not be uh, smiling. No, you may be upset, but there's something deep inside that says, I've got a hope and a future, and Holy Spirit will speak to you through those times. I heard my uncle say this week, he's ready for the rapture. He said, I want to go see my wife. I want to be with her. See, there's a hope. There's a hope. All right, number three, and I'll try to get this one wrapped up here and get you out of here. He says in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So he intercedes for us in prayer. He intercedes for us in the will of God. And he intercedes for us to bring glory to God and us joy. Well, I know these ain't all alliterated, real rhyming and real pretty, but it's just what, the fact of the verses are. 
He intercedes for us to bring God glory and us joy. You must realize, and I've already said this, giving glory to God is the only, is one sure way, the only real sure way that you're going to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That doesn't mean you ain't going to have heartache. You're going to have pain. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have disappointment. You're going to have troubles and trials. But in all of that, you can still rejoice in the Lord. Notice some key things in this verse. He says, for we know that all things work together for the good. Now most people stop right there. Listen, all things don't work together for the good if you stop right there. Because for the lost people, God's not working in their life most of the time. Now, he might help them, protect them. All things are given by God. Don't ever question that. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. But as far as a glorified life in him, in a lost person's life, God has no use. for God has, God's not there. He's got use for them. I don't mean that. But he's not there in their life. He can't be. He's not their God. He, they're not part of the family. So... We stop there. Now let me tell you how we need to quote this verse. He said, we know all things work together for the good to them that love God. Let me ask you a question. If you're born again, you love God, but how great is your love for God? Do you love him enough that you're concerned to do his will or even be concerned about it? We're only interested in your own. Most of us as Christians, and I dare say this is true if you be honest with yourself and with God, you're content enough to say that things are doing okay in my life. Preacher, I don't need to get any more involved in what I am. Things are going good and I'm happy where I'm at. Boy, I didn't get too many amens on that one, did I? That's where we live, church, if we'll be honest. Preacher, I don't have to be that... Uh, I don't have to be that dedicated to God and the church. I don't have to be that concerned about God because, preacher, I mean, honestly, what's wrong, preacher? I mean, my life overall is good. I have some problems here and there, but you know what? I'm saved, I'm born again, and I'm, I put $5 in the offering plate, and I do this, and I do that, and, and, and preacher, what's wrong with that? I'm gonna tell you what's wrong with it. Is it the will of God you're living right now? Or your will? I dare say most of us are gonna say, my will. Most of us find reasons to not get involved any more than we are of church. Satan will give them to you. I'm going to say this. No, I'm not. I was almost, as Jackie was saying, ugly coming on, but I'm going to leave it alone. Do you love God enough that you care enough to what He thinks? and have a real relationship with Holy Spirit inside of you. The person that loves you more than anyone or anything on this earth and wants the best for you. Because if we know that all things work together for the good, that those that love God, according, what's the worst of it say? One more word there. According to His, read it. That's all right. Romans 8, 28. I know where you're at. Just read the whole thing. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. Called. Called. It's okay. 
If you're born again, you've been called. You've got the calling. The question is, are you willing to be in His will and be used for His purpose? Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Do you understand prayer is the most powerful thing on earth? Sometimes God's will is not fun or comfortable, folks. Let me give you a quick illustration. Most of you have never heard this name. It's okay. You've heard it from me, but there's a man by the name of Richard Wombrand. He wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. There's videos of him online. There's a a couple movies about him. I'd like to actually have a a church sometime soon that have everybody come on a Friday night and we watch a movie about him. You've heard me mention this. He was arrested by the Russians uh, simply for preaching and he lived in Romania and they tortured this man I think for 14 or 15 years unmercifully. Unmercifully what they did to him. And a lot of preachers. Uh, I, I mean one of the things they did is they will take him barefoot and send him out on a lake somewhere on ice in the middle of winter and stand there barefooted on that ice for hours. They would put him inside a box, a wooden box this, this almost this tight and drive nails all through it. And if they aimed to slouch over one or the other, they, the nails pierced them. They put just enough in so they couldn't lean and get comfortable. It would go through their skin. So they had to stand there straight up in a pitch black, a pitch dark black box with nails sticking through and they could not hardly move one or the other. Hours. Hours. The cells that they lived in was eat up with lice and fleas and bed bugs and all kinds of bugs and vegetables. So they it was ate up with stuff all the time. Richard Wombrand suffered this for 14, 15 years for one reason, preaching the gospel. And people say, you call that a loving God? Yes, I do. I'm going to explain to you why. What you are missing is that there has been thousands brought to Jesus He said he didn't know Jesus could shine so bright until he got in the complete darkness of man. He said, I didn't know. He said, never have I saw Jesus so clear until I was in my darkest moments on this earth. Understand, nobody could help feed his son and wife because if they did, then the Russians would arrest them. So his son, a young teenage boy, was left to live on his own. This man knew that. And all through his time, all he had to do was say, I renounce Christ. And all is forgiven. He can go on back. He can earn a living. He can raise his family, be in his home with his wife and his children every night, and everything is good. That's all he had to do. But not one time did he say he ever thought about doing that. There was another fella, you've heard me tell this, they arrested him and tortured him. They couldn't get him to recant. So they brought his daughters in. Started torturing them in front of him. They cut their tongues out so they couldn't talk. Before that, they, they punched their eyes out so they couldn't see. And the last words there, his daughter spoke to him before they cut their tongues out so they couldn't talk was, Daddy, don't you dare 
recant. Don't you dare turn your back on Jesus. Let me ask you all a question. If people's that willing to suffer for Jesus, don't you think you and I should probably be just a little bit more willing sometimes? Let's take it a step further and I'm done. I wonder what Jesus felt like in the garden when he was praying, Father, let this cup pass from me. And he knew he was getting ready to take on the sin of the world. He was getting ready to be died. And that perfect communication that I preached about already was getting ready to be broken. See, the, the thing is, you and I most of the time can call somebody and get some kind of help. Jesus knew he was facing a time when he couldn't get any help. There was no one to call. And God made all things work together for the good to them that love God according to his purpose, who are the called according to his purpose. God's purpose was that man must have a perfect sinless sacrifice because man sinned. And Jesus was that perfect sinless sacrifice and he tor got tortured like no man has ever and he done that for you and I. Don't you think he has a right to ask just a little bit of us sometimes? And when it counts is when we get to the judgment seat of Christ. I'm done with this. How would you like to be standing there at the judgment seat of Christ? And there stands Richard Warmbrand, the other fellow whose daughters was tortured. Here stands the Apostle Paul. And there stands Noah. And you're standing there with him. There sat somebody who was a pastor in India whose house was burnt, his kids murdered, and he, everything he owned burnt to the ground. He was chased out of his village simply for preaching Jesus. And there you stand. You said, but Lord, I didn't have time to go to church. I didn't have time to read my Bible. I didn't have time to pray. Lord, I was afraid of your will. I didn't want to do your will because I had things I wanted to do. Is that what you're going to tell him? What are you going to tell him? Lord, I didn't feel like coming to church every time the doors was open. I, I just didn't want to. I was tired. If you're too tired to come to church, you're too tired to go to work the next day. Amen. Call him and work the next day. That's harsh, ain't it? That's mild to what I just preached to you yes. and what it's going to be when you stand for Jesus one day. That's, that's child's play, what I just told you. Church, I'm telling you, our time is short. And if you're going to do anything for Jesus, you better be doing it now. If you want to make a difference, you better be making it. It's time we get our wheels lined up with God and allow the Holy Spirit right away in our life. Father, we thank you again for this time together. God, I pray that I preached what you told me to. Lord, I've did my best. And God, if I preached in my own selfish ways, then please forgive me. I certainly did not mean to. Now, Father, I need you at this time to speak to hearts as you see fit. God, I can't motivate people. I like to think I can sometimes. God, I can't make people do right for you. Only you can. Lord, I pray that you take these words and use them for you. I have an outpouring this morning, Lord, of our hearts for you. And God desire to do more for you. Lord, you... You have so much for us, so many blessings if we would only just submit to your will. 
and do what you ask us to do. Spend time with you. We thank you and we praise you. God, go with us through this service. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. As we stand.